Turn Up The Talk podcast, tackling mental health together. Hello and welcome to Turn Up The Talk, live here from the Radio Hub studios in Alexandria, Sydney. Pat Clifton, joined by Lockie Drew Morris and Luca Moretti. Boys, how are we feeling? Paddy, unreal. Unreal. Pumped to be here, Paddy. Yeah, really I can pumped. agree. I can agree. So, episode zero. It's going to be a, a short episode just about ourselves, no guests, talk a bit about our, our background, our experiences with mental health and what we kind of aim to get out of this podcast. So, boys, obviously the trailer was released last week. How do you think we went? It took us about... 80 goes to get. We finally got it. Yeah, but it took us about two or three hours to do. They were in there for a while. And just on saying that, how did we go? How did you go? Stiff you actually Morris. Do, if you want to go watch that trailer, you say Lucky Drew Stiff Morris. Hey? Security guard Lucky Drew Morris. Suspect. I was stiff. I, I was <laughs> stiff. But I was more worried about what you and that uh, texter were doing. Oh, don't you worry. <laughs> don't you worry. <laughs> Well, Paddy, no, it's good to it's good to have you here, Paddy. I mean, last week we were worried the trailer might might have to be postponed, obviously, because you're in hospital with that allergic reaction. Your face all was puffing up and yeah, stuff. So I, it's I good it's good you're here. I didn't quite make it a hospital, but I did wake up Tuesday morning last week looking a bit like a a dog being stung by a bee. If you want to look that <laughs> up on Google, it's exactly what I woke up looking like. A bit of a fright. So, uh, Paddy, do you want to start us off? Where did uh where did your first battles with mental health begin? Take us back to sort of a point in time. Yeah, so my uh, mental health battle started late, late last year, early this year. I was actually in America and um, it was quite scary because I didn't know what was going on. I didn't really have anyone to talk to professionally to find out what was going on. Turns out it was uh, severe anxiety and with that comes some depression. And so that forced me to come home early from America on my trip, which at the time, that's all you want to do. You know, you're, you're in that yeah. moment. And it's just so intense and it's just so scary. You don't know what it is. And I was uh, I was lucky enough that I came home early and kind of got it sorted. Not saying it's that easy, you know. I had to put in the hard work, still going through it. But if I compare myself from the beginning of the year to now, it's just like a totally different person. Mm. It really is. Just on that, did you, you spoke about coming home. Did you fear coming home? I mean, we're going to speak about social media in a minute, but you alluded to the fact that you know you were with your family with your good mate you're supposed to have a trip of a lifetime you're posting pictures and stuff like that and everyone's got the illusion or everyone's got the belief that you're having a great time and then in fact you're not yeah like i fell into that trap i was posting all over social media looking like i was having the time of my life and don't get me wrong it was an amazing trip but really i just wanted to be home like what was going on through my head. I just wanted to be at home. And like you said, that social media effect of everyone thought I was having a great trip. And I was thinking, you know what? If I come home, I'm going to leave my best mate here. Can I do that? What's going to, what's everyone going to think of me if I'm coming home early? Like, am I going to seem greedy that I've on this trip of a lifetime in America and all I want to do is be home? So a hundred percent that came to my mind. Yeah. Yeah. And then also the last thing as well, you know, if you do kind of go and talk to someone, they're like, yeah, I wasn't feeling well. So I came home. You know, you kind of feel like that someone's going to go, oh, like, no, you were out of America, mate. Like, what's your life? Yeah, almost issue? selfish. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. and that's not what it should be like. But that's just your mentality of my anxiety was like that. Mm. Like, mm. and I did feel like that. Like, you're in America, you know, like you're in Colorado, you're yeah, in New York. Yeah. Like, this is sick. 
when really I just wanted to be home. And I thought, like, surely there's people going through worse stuff than me. Like, I'm in one of the best countries exactly. in the world living like it you up. You start comparing yourself. Yeah, you start yeah. comparing yourself and you, th- you think it's a bit selfish and you think, why am I feeling like this? Like, I have no reason to feel like this. Mm. When mm. in reality, that's what's so bad about mental health. You don't have a reason to feel like that half the time, but you do. Yeah. What did you get up to over in America? Did you get up to a bit of snowboarding or skiing? Yeah, um, I did get a day of snowboarding in before I came home. How'd that go? Um, Ask the poles. I took out, <laughs> I took out quite a few. But rumor has it the run- as well. <laughs> rumor has it the runs are still closed. <laughs> Sorry to um, Colorado. Uh, what about yourself, Dewey? Talk us a bit about your kind of battle with mental health when it started and what what kind of you went through. You can pinpoint it back to. Six months after school, I was, I sort of got enrolled in a degree that I didn't really want to do. I was unhappy, but you just failed to see it at the time. And it was sort of having an effect on my life, to be honest with you. I mean, I was going to sort of uni, I was hating it, I was studying, I was hating it. And it took me about six weeks and then I deferred. And then to make up for that, I started working more. (laughs) And uh, then after about six weeks of that, I didn't hate the work, but I hated how often I was doing it because I wasn't seeing my mates. And, you know, I was in a pretty crappy space and it would affect my attitude on everything. So, like things that I would normally love to do, like going out with the boys or, you know, just relaxing. I just, everything seemed like a drag. Yeah. And everything seemed like, oh, well, what's the point of this? You know, it's, you, you're unhappy anyway. It's not going to fix it. And I just remember talking to dad one day and, We'll put a disclaimer out there. We're not professionals. We're sort of just three mates. Far from it. Talking about (laughs) mental health. And my dad is far from a mental health professional as well. But dad sort of just put it to me and he said, you know, you just got to focus on yourself and the rest will come. And I started doing that. I started exercising. I lost a bit of weight and I started to feel confident within myself. And that really changed my outlook and everything. You know, I was was happy working. I was able to get a bit of work off go see my mates and I was just able to change my lifestyle around. It's those changes I think that when you're in the mindset, they feel like, oh, you can't make them. But then once you do, you're so much happier and you're so much better for making them. So Yeah, and I think that's what's so scary about the whole topic of mental health. When I was over in America, no one knew I was going through it. Mm. When you were going through it, no one picked up on it. Yeah, You know, it's so hard to pick Mm. and that's why it's so important to speak out to let people know because people do care. They might not know it, you're going through it. And that's why it might seem like people don't care. But as soon as you open up, you kind of get that feeling of, you know what, people do care. They just don't understand that's what I'm going through. And that's why it's so scary. I think as well, we as young men don't talk enough. We we feel, I don't don't want to speak on behalf of them, but I felt as though going to a counsellor or talking to one of my mates was just really, like it was the last option for me. Like it was intense. Daunting. It was daunting. I didn't want to do it. And I think if we can get rid of that stigma and get people, especially young men, talking about their feelings to each other, I think it's not only talking, it's about how you receive that. If you if you ask your mate how you're going, don't just expect one word reply. Like actually have a conversation with him. If you're gonna make the effort to ask, go on with it. Don't just think, Oh yeah, yeah, he's good. He said he was good. You yeah. know. So I think we need to get better at that. And this podcast is aiming at sort of bringing these topics up in a lighthearted manner and you know, we're not taking the piss we're not having a joke about it we're we're serious and we really want to change it like the trailer said there's been some really sort of daunting events in our community in the last couple of months and you know no one wants to go through that and every time you see it i think i can speak on behalf of everyone every time you see 
that someone sort of dies from mental health issues, you just go, oh, not another one and how can we sort of change this? And everyone wants to change it. So that's yeah. why we thought we'd... And I think as well as on touching that, I don't know about you guys, but when that event did happen, you kind of felt like, well, fuck it. Like if I only knew... Yeah, exactly right. You know what I mean? I yeah. think everyone feels like that when shit like this happens that you go, well, fuck, you know, if only I knew. Like, if only I knew. And that's what that we're trying to change here. Like, we're trying to change the ego and the way that we think about it in the culture that it's not, fuck, you know, what if I knew it's, I helped him out. You know, he's struggling, but, you know, he's all good. Yeah. I think the the main, one of the main things is social media as well. Yeah. Yeah, I it's mean, huge. you look at us, so... Over the last few weeks, we've been advertising this podcast and we couldn't have done it without social media. We've got such support, such backing from social media and it's meant the world to us. And the, the other flip side of that is people are comparing themselves 100%. You know, you you might want to stay home of a Friday and Saturday. And I know when I was in my sort of mindset, I found this extremely relevant that I was staying home of a Friday or Saturday night and my mates were out and I'd see Snapchats and Instagrams of people having fun, having drinks and you're like, well, you know, why aren't I there or... I should be there and why can't I be like them? And Why don't I feel like being there? Yeah, why don't I feel like being there? And the same as if, you know, one of your mates has got a job and he puts up a photo of one of the perks of his job or your mate's on a travel, like traveling like, like you were, Paddy, and you sort of think, oh, well, if he's doing that, what am I doing? And I think we've got to get that first thought out of our head of comparing because it's not good for us. We've got to be happy with yeah, ourselves. Yeah, like it's great. You can post what you're doing. Like it's yeah. awesome social media. Like you said, we've promoted, wouldn't be able to do it without social media. And if you're out having a good time, yeah, sure, post it. But it's more about the people who are looking at it. You know, you can't think, you know, why aren't I there? Or they look like they're having a better time than me. Because in reality, that's not always it. And you yeah. can't compare yourself yeah. to others. Yeah, exactly. Now, springing back to you, Jury, this is me saying this, but the word's going around that you were the worst <laughs> Waverly school captain that they've had. Yeah, like, I, I did confirm that. <laughs> no, no, Can no. But being, but being the Waverly school captain and, you know, obviously said, leaving school you didn't know what to do did you feel like there was an added pressure you know being a leader and being someone that people did look up to that you kind of felt like that you needed to be successful or you needed to do something straight out of school or, you know you were forced to kind of be successful i feel like and this sort of links to what i said about comparing i feel like everyone feels as though they need to have their life sorted all the time and like i just going into my exams for year 12 i did early entry down at wollongong so i because I was worried about my exams and how I was going to go. So, I wanted to take that sort of safety net. And then I sort of did that without even realizing that I didn't even want to do the course. I just liked the idea of having a safety net. And like you said, that was probably a bit to do with what I had going on. And, you know, I thought people thought I needed to have my stuff together. And when in fact, it's completely fine that you don't. And I think a lot of people, a lot of kids leaving school can relate to that, that, you know, the, the minute you graduate, all the talk is about, well, what are you going to do? Yeah, in reality, you're 17, 18 years old. Yeah. Like, we're not saying go out and don't work. <laughs> yeah. You don't say, no, fuck those boys on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to work till I'm 20 fucking cheering. <laughs> but it's just like, you know, you don't have to put so much pressure on yourself in yeah. the first job you get's not going to be your career. Maybe it is, but you, you don't have to put that pressure that it's the first job you get out of school is going to determine your life or anything like that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. What about you, Meredy? When was your first battles with mental health? What can you recall? Yeah, well, mine was kind of a bit different to you guys. And I think that I can kind of relate with people around the community that my parents divorced when I was at, you know, when I was at an early age. You know, I was really lucky to have have, have my brother, you know, growing up. And, um, 
you know, there's a few stories there would, you know, me and he would come home and I'd be crying in one room and he'd be crying in the other. And that's kind of just, you know, the household that I grew up in. Like it wasn't, you know, just your typical family of being happy. You know, it was very, very upsetting because we didn't know any better. You know what I mean? Like we'd just come home and yeah, that'd be it. That was the norm. Yeah, exactly. But as I said before, you know, I was really, really happy to have him. And, you know, if I didn't have him, I think things would be different now. Just on that relationship with your brother now, um, if anyone's been to the Meridi household, they would know that there's a few back windows broken and <laughs> PlayStation remotes broken. And you spoke about this loving relationship with your brother. There is another side to that yeah. sort of loving relationship. And did that ever affect what you had with him? I mean, when you were fighting with him and you had arguments, did you feel like you still couldn't go to him or was it always there? Yeah, it's a love-hate relationship with me and him. Yeah, you know, it's good days and bad days. But you know, at the end of the day, you know, we're always there for each other. I think that's the main thing as well. And that doesn't have to be your brother. You know, it can be your sister, your dad, your mum, you know, your close mate. But, you know, there's always going to be someone there for you. And just on touching what you said, you know, when I did fight, when I was a bit younger, I didn't really know what to do because he was the only one that I had there for me. But as I got older and I started seeing people that were there for me, were there for me, that I started like leaning on them more than I did on my brother. You know, when I would fight my brother, I'd lean on them. And then when I'd fight with my mates, then I'd lean on my brother. Just as you touched on there with your brother about how is your support network and we kind of touched Lockie and I on kind of our, our parents and our family being our support network. We don't want to give the impression that it has to be your brother, it has to be oh, your no sister, way. it has to yeah, be your yeah. parent. It can be whoever you feel close to. Not everyone yeah. has that mate they can speak to. Whatever you feel comfortable in, that can be your exactly, support network. Exactly. And I think I've been really lucky as well. As I said, my brother's been there for me. You know, I've got a great girlfriend at the moment and she's really good for me. You know, my uncles have been there for me a lot. My aunties and, you know, my mates such as you two, you know, have always been there for me. And I feel like that oh, I've been really lucky. And then I feel like that if we start to open our eyes a bit and kind of really look around at what we've got around us instead of not what we're going through at the moment, then I think that can be a huge factor. Yeah, and the sad thing is not everyone has the support networks people like us do. Yeah. And that's just a reality and it's shit, but that's it. So we want to give support to people who do have those networks to speak out and use them, who don't have those networks, pathways and other things to do to build those networks. Yeah, exactly. But some people just don't have them, which is yeah. sad, but you can build those networks and that's what we're trying to encourage. Yeah. All right, guys, that'll wrap us up for uh, episode zero. Thank you for listening and tuning in. Thank you if you're still listening. We didn't scare you away. We just wanted to give you a brief overview into our lives and our experiences with mental health. We feel as though if we can break ourselves down and show that, you know, it's a normal thing to have and that we as a society, particularly young men, need to get better at talking about it, that that's going to allow a lot of other people to share their experiences. And we really can't wait for this first season. We've got a whole line of guests ready and it's been awesome. And the support you guys have given us, we've absolutely loved. So November 6th is going to be the first release date on iTunes and Spotify. We'll have a couple of Facebook posts and Instagram posts in there in the mix to keep you updated with everything we're doing as well. Yeah, and just on that, uh, November 6th. So, the guests we're going to be getting on, as we've mentioned in the trailer, uh, mental health advocates, sports stars. We're just trying to break down that everyone goes through it. Yeah, these people you think that you look up to as a kid, even now you look up to and go, fuck, he's got the life. Fuck, she's got the life. It's not always the case. We're all the same. Yeah, everyone feels the same emotions. So, we're just trying to break that down through people who we think are role models in within the community and society. Yeah, nicely said, boys. And that's a wrap, eh? That's a wrap. We'd like to quickly thank Radio Hub once again here in Alexandria, Sydney. They've been awesome to us. Couldn't have done it without them. And, of course, you guys. So, keep up the support. We really do appreciate it. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks' time. See you in a couple of weeks. See you, guys. Thank you. Later. Thank you.